This is the PR Pod, the podcast that brings you expert tips for working in PR and finding your niche. With your host, Brooke Burns. Welcome to the PR Pod, the essential podcast for public relations professionals. This episode, my guest, Wendy Cole, is going to share so many tips about how you can be more productive and focused in the workplace. We've all had those moments, all those hours, or even those weeks when we feel like we're just not achieving what we should or could be, and that is about to change. Wendy, welcome to the PR Pod. Oh, thank you, Brooke. It's wonderful to be here. So I imagine it doesn't matter what sector you are in, the principles that you teach are um, are reflective across all of them, but I guess for the purpose of today, they're particularly pertinent to public relations because it's a field, especially when you work in agencies, but not isolated to that, where you have... Uh, a number of tasks and projects that you are balancing at any one time. But with your experience across working in all these different sectors, what do you find are the most challenging elements of being productive and focused? Yes. So a little tiny step back, I had designed a number of workshops in the sort of people management um genre uh, for a PR company, a busy PR firm rapidly growing in Sydney. Um, and the director, Stu, you know, big picture sort of guy shared with me, you know what, Wendy, my people are incredibly talented. They're really dedicated. They're working phenomenally large um, hours and that they were um, and continue to in your industry. Um, and uh, he waved his hands and said, oh, gosh, design one of your Wendy workshops, would you? And train my people to get out of their email and get the important things done. And I thought, oh, my, yes, I'd love to. I think I need to learn that. I think my team need to learn that. So the whole, my whole, I, at that point, had only done the leadership and, and people management type skills training. So the whole productivity side of my business um, was born out of the PR industry. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm incredibly grateful to that. And I've had the absolute privilege of working with all number of um, people in different PR firms across the different sectors that you work with. And, and I'm just incredibly grateful that many of the people that I've trained in the early phases of their careers in public relations have gone on to all sorts of amazing jobs and, and, and self-employment and different, different things. And I've had the opportunity to train them and their teams as they've grown as well. So um, it's, it's, it's lovely to share these tips within the PR services sort of environment because you guys are genuinely busy and there's changing priorities and it's a fast-paced, modern, it's a fun, fun profession. Um, but time management's a big part of it, huh? It is, absolutely. That goes without mm. saying. Mm. Yeah. And and I've had the um, the fortune of being able to go through some of your training as well a number of years ago and it was incredibly helpful. And I think the... Um, I mean, I guess the biggest things that face PR are the multitasking and then um, and then the distractions. You know, your priorities are constantly changing. You may have uh, a wonderfully clean-looking list of tasks <laughs> to do that day, um, and it doesn't really work like that, especially in the agency environment where you are juggling multiple clients any one time and priorities change or needs change or one is more demanding than the other uh, when they, we weren't expecting it. Um, yes. When it, yeah. when it comes to distractions... Mm. What can we do to limit distractions within the workplace? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I think a good place to start is to understand a little bit of the, the neuroscience really around how easily we are distracted 
and that it's not particularly personal. Our brains are literally hardwired for distraction. So one of the preeminent theories is that from an evolutionary perspective, it served us very well to notice things, particularly in our periphery. So I cite, you know, in my masterclasses, I, I story tell this example and I go, look, imagine it's a beautiful warm summer's day. We're walking along that bush track. Um, maybe we've got our kids with us and it's a, a casual bush walk and everything's going really well and we're totally at ease. And you just notice something in your periphery and you look down there and go, <laughs> that's a rather large tiger snake. Kids, stand back. We'll let the snake go that way before we go along the path. Now, that has happened to me a couple of times, and boy, do I feel those <laughs> biological impulses, you know, that that, that flight or fight um, instinct kick in. So this has served us from an evolutionary perspective very, very well. The thing is, we're not in the bush fending for our survival that often anymore. Rather, we're in the workplace, and we're using a part of our brain called the prefrontal cortex, or the executive function part of our brain, to concentrate to plan to prioritize to write content to develop strategy and this part of our brain uh, doesn't multitask and it doesn't it, it's hard to access when we're under stress so the things that are catching our attention are no longer serving us in in protecting us from predation rather they're costing us attention um, and they're, they're breaking our flow, if you like. Um, and and this, this causes troubles from a whole manner of multitasking elements. There's another uh, component to why we're so easily distracted as well. Um, and one of the things is our brains love novelty. So when we perceive something new, again, it's possibly served us from a, an evolutionary perspective. Oh, there's some new fruit that looks a little bit like it's ready to pick. You know, that, that's been really helpful. Um, but um, now the things that we notice that are new are often a new social media, little like or uh, a new email drop in. And what happens when uh, we notice something that's new? Novelty causes the neurotransmitter dopamine to be released and dopamine is the neurotransmitter that drives our behavior it's quite literally associated with feelings of vitality and happiness so when our brains receive this little burst of dopamine like it or not we go looking for more so when we've read a new email even if part of us is groaning going oh my gosh another request from a client or another change or what have you there's that intermittent reward that we get from emails. There's something new that's come in and sometimes it's really great. So dopamine's released. When we check our phones for social media, we see some new images, all of these things release dopamine. So it's very attractive for us to go into our inboxes. But that's coming at that short-term gratification at the cost of longer-term reward and satisfaction of getting really quality work done. So how do we minimize distractions? That was your original question. I think it's useful to know that, like it or not, we're going to be distracted. And things like new emails, new alerts, um, noise and chatter in a work environment, all of these things can be highly distracting. So if we want to focus, we've got to set up our work environments to enable our brains to work at their best. 
um, and and at least some of the time within the day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we remove distractions? I think it's, of course, turning off the new email alerts. It's staying out of our inbox unless we're there to process our emails. If we're there to do work that – if we're required to do work that – needs us to concentrate and focus we want to be out of our inbox we want to be in that word document creating our com content or we need to be in in our lists creating our media lists or um you know whatever it is we need to be out of the inbox if we're to concentrate on that task um and i think um we're all a little bit different as to how noise and movement how distracting that is but to start to notice in ourselves what are the things that distract us. Um, and then for the periods in our workday when we want to concentrate and need to concentrate, we accommodate accordingly. I think the um, the little alert that comes up with your emails is such an important one for people. You know, it's uh, it's once you turn that off, you can go through your work at a much more rapid rate. Yes. And the other thing that I do, well, I certainly did when I had a team, was um, – just communicate a little bit better. You know, oh, if you're the so kind true. of person that doesn't cope well with someone asking you questions, um, then just say to the team, hey, guys, I just need an hour of no distractions while I write this media release. Um, yes. And people respect that. And obviously, it's very urgent and people can bother you with it. But um, I certainly know that I, I can jump in and out of tasks quite quite easily. So when I had a team, I didn't mind that people were asking me questions while I was writing something or concentrating because I could flip in and out. But a colleague couldn't they needed absolute kind of dedication to whatever that task was so back to your point you need to understand how you do work and then um, make it clear to the people around you that if you do need a little pocket of time that you know it's important they give that to you yeah and I think too when we're at the earlier phases of our career and we're tackling lots of new things um, then it is harder it's a good point it's harder to jump in and out of different things um, so if the if the workspace allows for it and there's a little quiet meeting room and you can book that for an hour and jump in there and and do what it is you need to do, then that can be a good strategy. Some people work really well in a cafe with that white white noise, if you like. <laughs> white noise can help yeah. some of us really concentrate. Yeah. And and you know maybe we don't have Wi-Fi and and therefore we just have to work on that Word doc or that Excel spreadsheet. And if that's appropriate within the work culture then then that's great um earlier on in our career careers i've heard you say this in in other podcasts and i think it's really wise we have to earn that little bit of permission to to work in a way that enables us to do our best work we've got to prove ourselves a little bit get some results yeah. and then you know move it forward yeah mm. tasks which we've touched on already is um is such a complicated beast for so many of us um, I'm very militant at writing down every single task I need to do, however small that may be. Is that a good habit for people to get into? Well, as you know, it's certainly something that works for me as well. Um, mm. I, I, I'm in my second decade of this work. So I've had um, a lot of experience and, and of, of managing teams myself and then coaching and, and facilitating training for small groups, large groups and everything in between. And absolutely know from first-hand experience there's not a one size that fits all we are unique human beings in our own unique experiences bringing our own strengths and weaknesses to work that said there are some fundamental principles that serve most of us pretty well and I agree with you a comprehensive 
up-to-date, all-encompassing to-do list is a great place to start. And normally, with less experience, we need more detail. Um, you know, when we're more experienced in a job, we intuitively know what's coming next. But when, when we haven't done something over and over and um, in different dynamics, then we do really well with a detailed list of what needs to be done. One of the reasons for this, there's many reasons for this, but one of them is the progress principle. So the progress principle tells us that the most motivating condition we can experience at work is a sense of progress towards something that's personally meaningful. So if we can chunk things down, detail our to-do list and tick them off, and again, this neurotransmitter dopamine kicks in. We want to get this little hit of motivation from completing things and moving things along. Um, and things changed in a really quick way at, in, in the PR world. Um, so when we can get lots of little wins, I think that helps us to um, get traction, huh? Yeah. I agree. Absolutely. When it comes to task management systems or programs, yes. um, I use I use Outlook um, and I use that uh, certainly not to the extent that I, I know um, I've been exposed to with training through you previously, but certainly to an extent that you know, I can keep track of everything I need to do. I don't need to delegate anything out being just me. Yep. In all the training and experience that you've had, what are some of the better task management tools that are out there? Yes. So um, on if you're working on a PC-style computer on Outlook, the task feature is a little-known gem. Um, I, I sometimes wonder if Outlook realize how good it is. Like it, <laughs> it can be truly customized to be a very powerful to-do list that integrates with email and Outlook calendar. And that's where it's, it's, it's true value is in my mind. The, the, the seamless integration of moving an email over to a task and then being able to look at your calendar and your task list next to each other and work from that one screen. Um, however, if you're on a Mac, the Outlook functionality with tasks is is not as extensive and, and, and doesn't offer the same solutions. And if you're in Gmail, um, yeah, it, it's, it's much trickier. So I have expertise in Outlook tasks on a PC. There certainly are other um, uh, platforms that serve many people really well. I'm just not an expert in them. Um, I believe um, uh, Monday and Asana are good options um, if you're wanting to look for an app. When you're looking at to-do apps, um, I tend to recommend purchasing the full the full um, model, if you like. What is essential if you're going to an app um, as your to-do list um, manager is that it does have the functionality to convert an email to a to a task or your to do item on your app, and and that's the that's the primary thing to look for. But seriously, if you're on Outlook on a PC, get to know tasks. Um, it's it's a fabulous tool, as you and I both know. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've known people that still and still use, you know, directors of PR agencies that still use. Uh, pen and paper and they write down every morning I don't know how I would keep track of everything that way perhaps they have a larger project system and then every day they kind of pull from that what needs to be done yes but, you know like you said there's no right or wrong what you 
could be using, yep. but it's about making sure you develop a system that works for you, that is comprehensive, that keeps you to task, that you can keep track of your deadlines. Um, because as soon as those tasks start to fall through the gap, that's when you're going to run into issues with your manager. There's going to be, you know, a, a lack of respect, a lack of trust, yes. which would then impact, you know, whether you're given other tasks or opportunities at work. It's the same with clients. If you're not delivering stuff on time and either the client or your manager is chasing you, then that's when you're going to start to end up in um, a, a world of, of pain. So whatever yes. your system is. Yes, just play around with them, I think, and, and work out what does work for you. Yeah, I think that's really sensible advice. And also, I'd go one step further in saying, in my experience, when things get really chaotic and things are falling through the cracks, and let's face it, with the amount of moving parts and the pace of PR, that can happen if you do not have a watertight to-do system. It affects people's sleep and well-being and mm. headspace because the, the unfinished loops, if you like, the open loops or unfinished commitments keep bubbling up. And, you know, if yeah. you've ever tucked yourself into bed and gone, right, I want an early night um, and you can't get to sleep because your head is whirling, your thoughts are whirling with all the things that you're forgetting to do um, or that you need to do, that you're busy trying to remember that is a very strong clue that it's time to upgrade your to-do list yeah. and organisational systems. Um, I've had people where we've got their tasks organised, we've got them in a really good end-of-day planning process, and they go, oh, my goodness, Wendy, I am sleeping so much better. And I went, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's great. I'm glad you can see that because um, this is about um, – the, the wellness element as well, which I think is so important in any industry, but particularly within PR, because you're bringing a sense of vitality um, to your work and your clients. And there's a, there's a fun and exciting element, which is both logical, if you like, that planning element, but then you also need the creativity and the strategic element. So I think we get both when we're feeling pretty well and we've got some vitality and we still can have some fun in our jobs. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I think, you know, perhaps counterintuitively, having a really watertight organisation system and to-do list allows for that to then go, yep, that's taken care of. Now I can be present with my clients. Now I can think creatively and strategically. And I think uh, another element of uh, getting that balance and at least shutting your brain off for the day is going through that task list at the end of the day, yes. looking at what you have done, what you haven't done, what needs to be moved, and then looking at um, the next day. I mean, I never go a day without reviewing what's on my plan for the next day because I may have had to shuffle some things across. I may have forgotten I had a meeting, so I'm going to be in there for two hours. That's two hours of productivity in terms of, you know, executing or, or creating things that have gone. Um, so it can take time. They can't, I mean, it might take you 15 minutes of reassessing things, but um, what are, what are some of the benefits of, I guess, reviewing it at the end of a day versus the start of the day is is there a better is there a better option look i think this is one of those things where we can build self-awareness uh, about what works best for us i i don't think there's a right or wrong is it better to plan at the end of the day or the beginning of the day i think it's what works best for us as individuals the, the key is to do some sort of regular daily planning and review and yes i agree it takes every bit of 15 minutes if we've had a massive day and a lot of stuff coming to us, ironically, it's going to take longer to, 
to get that in order and then then yeah. plan for the next day um I'm definitely more of a night owl than a morning person. So it works for me to plan at the end of the day and um, it helps me to shut down as well and then be present for the remaining of my evening in my own personal life. Um, but people that naturally wake, you know, at 5.36 in the morning, there are people that do that. I find it amazing because I don't. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's lots of people that wake naturally, have super high energy in the morning and are really tired by the end of the day. If you've got more energy in the day and you can plan your day better first thing, well, of course, jump up, grab your tea or your coffee or your warm water and lemon or whatever it is you do. Sit down and plan out your day first thing. Fabulous. I, I, I think the timing is somewhat um, irrelevant. It's, it's about what timing helps you to do that in a sustained way. Because mastery mm. happens with, con, you know, this continuation of high performance habits it's not a a bit here and here it's it's the mastery requires focus and consistency when it comes to prioritizing tasks i mean a, a lot of us um especially if you have managers those those prioritizations may have been fed through from managers but a lot of the time we are allowed to um you know kind of run the course for a day as as we need to as long as we get tasks done by the deadline yes what tips have you got for approaching task prioritization Yes. As I've heard you talk about in, in other of your fabulous podcast episodes, it is in the, especially in the beginning phases of our careers, really important to check in with managers. Some of the ease of prioritization comes with experience. Um, so when in doubt, check with a manager, is a, you know, or at least someone who's been in part of the team, it might just be a senior colleague. Hey, here's my list. This is how I'm prioritizing it. If someone else was to look at this, what, what might be the priorities? Um, I think that's really valuable. And that's where having our to-do list really helps. It's hard to get yes. input if we haven't had a go at it ourselves. And with, if, you know, with a comprehensive list of everything that we need to do, then we can prioritize. Actually, mm. key to prioritization is being organized and knowing what's on our list and having a comprehensive list. I've heard you talk about this strategy as well, and I, I think um, it's really valuable, is when we look at our to-do list and it might, if we're detailing it with all the bits and bobs that we need to do, I've seen PR lists where there's 20 things to do in a day especially for, you know, account execs and the like. There's a lot of little bits and bobs to be across. Now, that can be incredibly daunting. If we were to spend, sounds like a lot, but if we were to spend 10 minutes and go through every one of those items and anticipate how long it would take us to complete each of those items, and then we add up that time, that's a good reality check. So sometimes we can have 20 items on our to-do list that are all about a seven-minute job. So that's actually not as much time as we think it is. It looks visually like a long list, mm. um, but, you know, it's just over two and a bit hours of work. Okay, there's going to be some slippage between tasks. Let's say it's three hours work. Well, three hours out of eight hours is probably really achievable. Um, and mm. that can help us to feel less overwhelmed at looking at a big, long to-do list. And I guess on the flip side of that, uh, you may look at a task and realize it's probably going to take you four hours to do. And then once you add up the other 12 things on there, you realize that's actually 16 hours worth of work <laughs> yes. that you were meant to do today. Yes. And if you haven't assessed that at the start of the day or you haven't done it the night before, yes. 
then you start working across your bits that you need to do and then you realize you're not going to make any of your deadlines. Yes. Whereas if you had done that at the start of the day or the day before, yep. you will know, right, hang on a second, there's 16 hours worth of work here. That obviously can't happen. Yes. How do we try and diffuse that now? Do we speak to managers? Can I delegate some tasks out? But if you don't do that assessment, yes. then that's when you're going to end up yes. in those tricky spots. Yes, and I find that in PR agency life a lot when the organisation's got what I call a matrix reporting structure. So there's you as an account exec or even account manager might have multiple group account directors that are delegating you work. Um, and so... Um, all of the senior people aren't aware of the, the breadth of work that you've got on your plate. So there are times where I agree. It's like, here's the list. It's adding to 16 hours. I've got four hours of meetings <laughs> where, where from an agency perspective or a broader group perspective, where should we put our priorities here? Mm. One of the things that um, I learned from you, which I, which I, equally hate and love is the eat is eat the frog yes can you can you tell those listening who don't know about eating the frog what that means and what that means for your productivity I guess yeah so eat the frog is a term coined by an author called Brian Tracy um and the frog is essentially um a priority task and one that we're more likely to procrastinate on um and uh, the theory is you know if you eat a life frog first thing in the morning nothing worse will happen for you for the rest of the day <laughs> so um you know we're, and and uh, there's an amazing um uh quote from william james the um uh, you know essentially founder of modern psychology that says there's nothing so fatiguing as an uncompleted task so when we've got things that we know we need to do, but we don't do them, it actually drains our energy and it reduces our capacity to focus on the tasks that we are doing. So eating the frog yeah. is like coming in and going, okay, what is it I need to do today? What's the hardest thing or the thing that I least likely want to do um, or um, I'm most likely to procrastinate on? Let's get it done and get it out of the way. Um, and... Um, yeah, I think it's a great idea to look at our to-do list, circle that frog, allocate some time in the calendar, which is called time boxing, and get in and get it done. Eat those veggies, you know, yeah. get the get it off the Absolutely. plate. Absolutely. Otherwise, you just keep on looking at it and rolling your eyes and groaning internally about the fact that you've got to do this, you know, either it's an arduous task or a frustrating task or perhaps one you just don't really know how to tackle. So, you know, every time you look at it throughout the day, you're kind of wasting that time where you're thinking, oh, God, no, I don't want to do that one right now. Um, but if you can just suck it up and get it over and done with at the start of the day, then then you're a lot freer and you can move through and do the things you actually enjoy doing. It, it makes the day so much more fun. And also it creates a beautiful virtuous cycle of momentum. You know, it's like, okay, well, I've done that. On to the next thing. I'm feeling good. Mm. And, um, you know, when we can when we can action our plan and action our commitments with ourselves, that's what builds really deep, valuable self-worth. And that's what mm. builds careers. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I'd love to give those listening, especially those who are using Outlook, a couple of tips on how they can utilize Outlook a little bit more effectively. What are your favorite um, techniques to, I guess, leveraging Outlook a little bit more? 
cleverly. Yeah. So turn off the, uh, this, re, this first tip reply, applies to absolutely any email platform. Turn off your new mail alerts and then work from your calendar and to-do list, not your inbox. So of course in PR at an account exec, early account management level, you probably need to check your emails every hour. I get that. Get in, check them, process them and get back out. Because if we're always in our inbox, we're always distracted because we're always going to be distracted by that new email that's dropping in. And therefore we're just working from everybody else's random stuff that's coming to us rather than our mapped out prioritized to-do list. Things change, absolutely. You grab what that new emergency or whatever that comes in, you put it over on your to-do list, you work from your to-do list still, you keep out of your inbox. So that applies to any email program whatsoever. And if people can develop that habit early on in their careers, oh my, you are so setting yourself up for success. It is such a gift you can give yourself. Um, unbelievable. Um, so your question nuanced within Outlook for PC users, that's where Outlook has its most functionality. Um, I like categories um, and I, I quite visual. So I think that if we can look at our calendar and go, oh, I like the colors on that and that resonates for me, then that helps efficiency as well. So I like to categorize my calendar appointments. Um, for example, um, I have color categorized facilitation um, purple oh, I'd say maybe 15 20 years so if I look at my calendar and see purple I just know instantly okay I'm facilitating a masterclass or a coaching session likewise blue has been meetings and appointments um, with clients forever so if I see blue then that you know it just helps give that visual snapshot and a quick overview mm. um, it's not hard to right click and categorize something no. Um, and then, of course, turn on the taskbar next to your calendar view and start organizing your tasks. Do not flag would be my other tip. Don't flag emails because they quickly become just massively over too many and you can't manage it. Every, everything becomes flagged. Yeah. Everything's important. And, yeah. and, and you, can't, you can't rename it and do all the things that you can in tasks. So learn how to use tasks. Um, yeah, by all means, drop, drop yourself or me an email or, or what have you if you want more detailed information. It's probably a little bit difficult to explain on a podcast mm, how to set up all those, uh, all those yeah. nuances, but know that you can. Um, just knowing that there's probably a hundred times more functionality in your Outlook program than you realize will start to whet your appetite to learn more. Um, mm -hmm. Another Outlook tip, and again, this would apply to any email program, is to um, set up the rules that help you to delete emails. So um, for example, I've got a rule that if someone accepts a calendar appointment, you know how you get accepted that email back, it just immediately yeah. goes to my deleted folders. I don't need to press hit delete. Um, mm. So anything you can do to streamline your email processing is a good one. Um, and another really good time-saving tip for any email platform as well is to have one folder. So most people have 37 or more. Apparently the average number of email folders we have is 37, but I think in PR it can be much. I reckon I'd have 57. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for many people, 
Um, the increased choice of where to file something increases decision-making time, increases ambiguity. The search mm. features in both Outlook and Gmail and Outlook on PC or Outlook on Mac are fabulous. You know, you don't have to search folders on Google to find stuff. You just search. So learn the mm -hmm. search features in your email program so that you can just file everything you need to keep in one folder. One of the things that I utilize within the task section is um, I create, and I don't think they're called category names, um, but basically I, I, I have uh, one of the columns um, is dedicated to which client oh, it is. Yep. So I can, yeah, so I can very easily just click and it, mm. and it will sort everything that I'm doing for that client for that week or for yes. that day. Um, and that's a really helpful way because if someone says, well, what have you got on your list for, you know, this client this week, you can very quickly say, oh, here are the eight things yes. I'm doing. Um, so that's one tip that I find really and useful. And I think, I think that's a great one for PR too, you know, because you do have clients and projects and what have you. So to, to create a tag or a category or something to assign to each of that allows for different searching. It's very clever. Yep. And one of the things that um, I do anyway, but you uh, you also brought up in your training is at the start of um, where you're typing, what your task is going to be, I put it in capitals. So it might be something like brainstorm in capitals and then 15 influencers for this particular client or uh, research or um, write or again when you quickly are looking over it, it you kind of get a very quick sense of okay there's five things I'm writing today or I've actually got to brainstorm three different things for three different clients for influencers let me just do that all at the same time it's quite a nifty way of of, I guess a visual reference. I love that you love that. So that's called a what I call a batching code. So we we ah. wanted to find some type of work. So because a huge efficiency can come from batching like work. So like exactly as you perfectly yep. articulated, if I'm doing some brainstorming, I'm in that creative brainstorming mode. I'll continue on with that. Or if I'm in deep, yeah. if I'm in deep writing mode, maybe it's useful to stay in that mode. Um, or if I'm in yep. outreach networking mode, I certainly find that myself. If I'm in networking mode and talking, it's good for me to stay in that mode and I can power through a whole lot of outreach um, yeah. versus just making one and then trying to get back to deep work writing mode and then back to accounting work. And then, you know, so the more we can batch our activities and what's interesting in um uh, your world, I think, is there's two ways to batch, by client or by project or by the nature mm -hmm. of the work. And there, mm. there'd be days when it would be useful to do all the client work or the for that one client at the one time and there'd be other times yeah. when it would be good to do all brainstorming. So that's perfect the way that you use it. You've got your your, your tag or your category, if you like, for, for your client and then you're still using your batching code at the beginning of how you um, – uh, phrase your to-do entry item and I think it, it all just comes back to that self-assessment you need to understand how you work and if you've not worked in an office environment too much before because you've just graduated and maybe you've had a retail job or something during university all of these elements be quite new the admin side of managing your time um, so it might take you a little while to kind of get a sense of who you are and how you like to work but uh, I would definitely recommend observing those around you and what different systems they use there's certainly been things I've picked up through my career where you know I've noticed that someone did something I know prior to using Outlook tasks as a number of years ago um, 
a colleague would write down all of the things they need to do that day and then they would highlight the two most important things yes. or, you know, but there's all these tiny little things that might make a difference to you and how you look at your tasks and how you prioritize them um, and how you move through them. So it really is um, giving yourself a little bit of time to work out what works for yeah, you. Yeah, it's such a great point you raise. It's a, 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 our productivity is an iterative process. So we build, we build one new habit and then we build on that and then we build on that. And it's like this wonderful concept of the compounding effect. 1%, the 1% is really compound and, and can win us back time very quickly and increase our, our sense of control, which increases our sense of inner, inner command, which builds self-worth and, and, and agency and propels careers. When it comes to productivity between working at home and in the, and in the office, so so many of us, I mean, I've worked at home on my own for six or seven years now. So um, the COVID didn't affect me at all in that way because I was well used to being productive yes. at home. For those that are now either juggling dual yes. work and home um, work time or are predominantly working from home, what are some of the ways that you can, I guess, be a little bit more focused in the home environment? Because in the office, you know, you've got people around you that are all working. You don't have the distractions of a dog or a fridge or, <laughs> you know, a family yes. member. Washing to hang out. Yes. <laughs> um, so it's an interesting point And I think it's a good time, huh, 2021, to really start to think through how can I make the most of this hybrid work model? So the hybrid work model is when some of the time we're in the office and some of the time we're working from home. And we want to make sure that we are enjoying the benefits of both and not feeling the frustrations of both you know bring the boat you know yeah. we can get that energy and collaboration in the open plan workplace um, and particularly I think at the start of our careers that can we can learn through osmosis and just being um, immersed in that environment there's so much we can pick up but also that open plan office is a very distracted place to be as well and can be draining yeah. over the longer term um and at home, we've got, you know, the when we're working from home, we've got greater freedom, but we've actually got greater challenges as well. So, for example, we've, when we um, are working from home, we, we've got the freedom of choosing the hours, much more flexibility around the hours that we work. But then we've got the challenge that we need to be more mindfully deliberate in what are our hours and how am I going to hold myself accountable for focus and productivity. Likewise, um, working from home, we've got the freedom of far more time because we haven't had to commute to the office. Um, but then we've got the challenge of what well, we probably need to define when we start and end our days and create more structure when we physically go into an office there's a whole lot of cues that trigger us that we're going to go to work which help our productivity and prime our attention mm. so most of us would either drive or catch public transport or even if we've got the luxury of walking to work we still leave the house we invariably stop at a cafe grab a coffee or we do something which sort of is part of a little ritual if you like we may not have consciously defined that ritual but nonetheless the the process of leaving the house and going to work has created a ritual which at some sort of conscious or unconscious level is telling us, okay, we're about to get to work and then this, it's time to work. At home, mm. we don't have that 
unless we intentionally set it up. So for me, I agree, I've worked from home for many, many years as well. And um, 2020 certainly threw me because I also had young children at home with me and I hadn't done that before. But what worked really well for me and my family was the start of the day before we get into work and for them it was school at the time, we leave the house. We go for a small walk and we come back and we go now work starting. There's other things you can do to prime your attention that says now is our my work time. So we might leave the house. Um, it might be as simple as a five-minute walk around the block or down the apartment block to the corner block, grab a coffee and come back. Or, you know, we don't have to spend the money on the coffee. That That's sometimes one of the benefits of working from home too. We can save a little bit of money um, because we don't need to do all these things. Um, but still leave the house, come back. You might, some people um, do really well with wearing their work jacket or leaving their work shoes on when they're working from home. Mm -hmm. But this is very individual. Others have said to me, you know what? I'm so much more productive at home because I've got my active gear on. I'm in go-go mode. So there's no right or wrong here. But define some little personal rhythms that you associate with working from home. It could be as simple as burning a focus oil, an essential oil. Um, but some any little ritual you do creates some intention to go, right, okay, I'm at home, but I'm in work mode. And particularly if, you know, in earlier in our careers, we're often in shared, you know, shared accommodation, we may not have the luxury of a dedicated room for an office. I think if you know that you're going to be working from home now for the foreseeable future, at least a couple of days of the week of the you know ongoing days a week then set up a physical workspace and if that is the corner of the kitchen table or the kitchen bench or what have you then have a little box which is your work box and you've got a pencil case in there you've got um, your mouse maybe ideally you've got a bigger screen that you can plug your laptop into at home maybe a second keyboard and a mouse you know set yourself up for success I can't see the hybrid model disappearing. Most of us love, you know, my research shows that 72% of us would like to work from home at least two days a week. Um, Employers that can offer that flexibility ongoing will create competitive advantage um, because so many of us enjoy it. Um, and when we and when in PR, there's so many tasks that require this concept of deep work and focus that when we can create time at home to concentrate, we've set up our work environment appropriately, we've we've got our regular rhythms for work, then let's let's do it. Let's make the most of it. You know, if if one of the benefits of working from home is you can get out and exercise in daylight, then do it. You know, um, it's uh, time outside is very energizing and is great for our productivity. So if it works for you to exercise on your working from home days um, in the afternoon, early afternoon, and then you come back and power through a bit more work, well, then seize that opportunity. Do do what's right for you. That's where there's greater freedom, but we just need to be quite intentional of what enables us to do our best work. Mm. I think one of the other challenges is trying to separate yourself from work. You know, when you're in the office environment, you might leave to go get lunch or you might, you know, sit down with a couple of colleagues and have lunch. But when you're at home, certainly for me, I can get trapped in this um, in this spiral of just work, 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 because there isn't anyone here to distract me. So one of the things that I always do is I always 
give myself a lunch break. And for me, I might watch 20 minutes of Netflix or something like that. Or, you know, if it's been a particularly full on day, it might be watching an hour episode. Sometimes I don't get to do that. But for me, I need to, I don't look at my phone. I don't look at my email. I just totally switch off. And then I come back in um, to the rest of the afternoon feeling a little bit more energized and feel less like I am being... um, not taken advantage of because it's my own business and I get to choose what I do but I, I guess I, I feel like I've had that a, a bit of a break between the demands of a yeah. job so great point again I think you need to yeah. self-assess about what you how, how you work and where what are the areas that might um, be challenging for you or might um, cause you anxiety and then try and work out yes. a solution yep. for them great points great points um, in one of my masterclasses, we talk about the five elements of the ultimate lunch break. And taking a lunch break can feel kind of counterintuitive, you know, especially we've eaten our frog, we've created this momentum, but we will be more effective in the afternoon if we can take a break. Um, and I think that is a, um, you know, a downfall of agency life is there can be a culture of talking on the phone, eating our lunch at our desks um, and not taking a proper break. Um, We want to build sustainable productivity habits that will hold us in good stead over the week, over the month, over the quarter and over the years. Burnout is a thing in PR agency life um, and any professional services and any busy corporate life for that matter. So we're wise to take care of our well-being and a lunch break forms part of that care. Yeah. Okay, so to wrap up, um, if you were going to give uh, listeners a, a handful of top tips on how they can be more productive and focused in the workplace, what would be your, the things that you would really encourage people yes. to do? Um, so I think in the modern day world, we want to look at all our distractions from a communications perspective and get great at managing email, get great at managing your instant messaging um, my earphone just starts. <laughs> the instant uh, get get great at understanding what are the response times expected of me. So if someone internally sends me an instant messaging chat or an email, what's expected of me of when I can professionally and appropriately respond to that? And likewise with our clients and external stakeholders. So we want to be able to check email and instant messaging at a time or a frequency that's appropriate for our internal cultures, but not all the time. And where possible to talk with our managers and senior colleagues as what, how can we extend that a little bit? Sometimes in professional services, we think everything is urgent, but if everything is urgent, nothing Mm. is urgent. And if we're not enabling time to to think deeply, then we're not going to produce quality work. So there has, there's a tension there and that tension, you know, it can feel like a tightrope sometimes that balance um, in, in professional services life, but it's useful to explicitly discuss it. Um, as I've mentioned before, I think a key productivity tip for anyone is to work from your to-do list and calendar, not your inbox and not your instant messaging chat platforms. Try and focus for more than six minutes. Apparently, the average adult only goes six minutes before changing things. I'll just check here. I'll just check there. Mm. Yeah. Seriously, what quality work can we do in six-minute intervals? You want to break that habit and extend the period of time that which you can concentrate and produce quality work. Um, The third tip is really plan your day. Whether you do your planning at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, whatever works for you, but plan your day. 
Um, and as part of a regular planning, I like to include reflection. Um, and I've got what I call my four P's end of day checklist. Um, and I'm delighted to share that with you. We can pop it in the show notes. Um, the, the fourth P of my end of day planning is what I call pondering. What progress do I notice? Who could I thank? Um, what am I grateful for today? They're some of my favorite questions to uh, ponder on. And for me, the process of planning actually allows the capacity to go, yeah, I am making progress. And that's important, remembering that the most motivating condition we experience at work is a sense of progress. Um, I agree with you. I think thy fourth tip would be working from home habits. Develop some really good rhythms that support you to do quality work and then to sign off at the end of the day when we're working from home. And the fifth tip, I think, is about investing in our wellness and our energy and our vitality. Yeah. You know, PR, PR can be an amazingly fun job. And to to realize all the benefits and the fun that comes with that, be organized, but also invest in your own health and wellness. You know, what? That, that, there's no right or wrong here. What What is it that brings you energy? And make sure you've got time in your weeks to do a little bit of that. Um, so that you can continue to be fresh um, at work and, and bring that gorgeous energy and enthusiasm to work and continue to love the life that you live. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. I imagine there's lots of listeners out there that are madly scribbling down wrote, uh, scribbling down notes from this. So um, there's a lot of very practical takeaway points. So thank you so much for your time. Mm, it's been wonderful to talk to you. Thank you for, for having me on your show. My pleasure. And if you are in the first few years of your PR career and are interested in becoming more informed, confident and effective in your role, and after even more practical tips and insight for working in the industry, take a look at the PR Pod Facebook group. Just search the PR Pod within the group section on Facebook. Thanks for listening to the PR Pod. For more expert tips on working in PR, head to www.theprpod.com.